Good morning, folks. It looks like we are frozen across Shale Play USA from the Bakken down to the Texas Permian over to the DJ Niobrara up to the Powder River region. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages today more than ever is a teachable moment for the world. It's a teachable moment for why everyday energy is the only energy that you need in your life. Forms of energy that are reliable every day. Some people say all the above. Some people say a diverse portfolio. Here at The Crude Life, we say everyday energy. Energy that works every day. And the reason we say everyday energy is because we focus on their strengths. Every energy has its strengths. Every energy has its weakness. And yesterday, across the United States, Mother Nature gave us an opportunity to be grateful for the energy that kept us warm through heat, and clothes, and transportation, and shelter, every single form of energy played its part. Some energy even helped out other energy. Folks, imagine that. So today, when the low-hanging fruit is going to be pointing fingers, pointing fingers, pointing fingers, just remember, do not get caught up in the things that you cannot control. That's just wasted energy. Now more than ever, preserve your energy. Go, use this as a teachable moment. Not a shaming moment. Because, damn it, when you work in oil and gas, you have class. It's not my fault it gets misinterpreted. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Free Cloud Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Space. Sean Forbes is sitting directly across from me. Normally, Sterling sits in that spot, but he's at home because he's got a child that's not a teenager and doesn't have an ex that can watch his child. A couple weeks, he's still married, you know, that type of thing. So he's a happily married man with all kinds of domestic duties, so he can't go on the road with us. He's going to go with me to Dickinson though so he's all excited about that because it's an overnight trip and as a married man with kids an overnight trip is like Disneyland for a kid yeah, so, it's like Vegas right isn't it it's like <laughs> Vegas so coming up with that that is the voice of Sean Forbes Frackleberry Hound is actually being very calm next to me right now she just started going to heat mm. I know so we got to keep an eye on Frackleberry Hound who was a stray found on a reclamation site as we were inspecting a reclamation site frackleberry hound velociraptored me from the side wouldn't leave me alone and she's just been a great asset to our organization because we believe dogs should be workers too now we've got all kinds of things going on it's tuesday today folks you're going to be at an energy strong event tonight is That's that right. right. It yep. happens tonight in casper wyoming yep you got a ways to drive how far is casper from fort collins because I'm in Fort Collins, which is right outside of Greeley. Three and a half, four hours, maybe? Oh, is that it? Yeah. That's not too far, then. No, okay. maybe even less than that. I know it's about six hours from my house. I live up in the mountains uh, in Bailey, Colorado. You mentioned that you can't even get delivery, food delivery. No, we don't have uh, Uber Eats, or we don't have Uber, as a matter of fact. So. I used to live north of Fargo. I used to, just north of town. And we did not have delivery at all. So I became very accustomed to figuring out a lifestyle 
without delivery. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd go to a hotel or I'd go within city limits at a friend's house and I don't think of delivery first, you know? And then, so when someone had mentioned it, I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. Because I feel like a kid <laughs> in a candy store again. Right. Like, oh yes. Oh, that's something I haven't had for a long time. I know, me too. When I go to my friend's house in Golden, they're just like, hey, you want to do Postmates? We can get whatever we want delivered here. And I just think that's so, so crazy <laughs> because... Delivery? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out what that yeah. word means in your head. <laughs> I, can, I can finally get groceries delivered with... Uh, I can't remember what the app is. Uh, cart something. Instacart. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah. So okay. there's just kind of random people sign up to be personal shoppers and you put your order, grocery order online and they see an order comes through and they oh, accept it and they go, yeah, I'll shop and do it. And, you know, they get a tip and a delivery fee and it's perfect. That is a genius idea, really, when you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. Okay. Because my biggest issue with either clothes or produce. I don't care about box stuff. Produce, I'm a real stickler on, okay? My my thought is, is that if I order produce through either Walmart or the grocery store, whatever the, our local grocery store is, I'm going to get the crap. <laughs> that they're going to give me whatever the closest to the expiration date is. Yeah. No, all the stuff I get from these personal shoppers, they... They pick out really good produce. Well, yeah. that, that I because can see because they're getting paid by you. They're going to get a tip by me. They're not getting paid by the store. Depending on the quality of the stuff they deliver. Right. Right. But if you're getting paid by the store, the store is telling you, yeah, let's get the, you know. The, the old crap out. Yeah, the, yeah. That's in the store's best interest. Right. But the personal shopper's best mm-hmm. interest is, you know, if I was them and if I delivered some bruised bananas, I wouldn't call that person anymore. Right. That's interesting. I've never heard of that app. What's yeah. the name of that app again? Instacart. Instant cart? Instacart. Close enough. Yeah. People will find it. Yeah. We live in a world but where... But so I, I live maybe... The closest grocery store to me is 12 miles away, King Supers and, and Safeway. And King Supers delivers, but I'm outside of that boundary for Ooh. delivery. By the way, coming up in the next segment, Tiffany Wilson, it's her birthday today, Fat Tuesday. We should ask her about that, about whether this Instamate can deliver to some of these remote temporary man camp temporary housing thing she has with Aries buildings oh they got hmm. personal chefs in there and they got, never mind they yeah, don't they need have, that uh, they got everything they need right they there they get three meals a day what are you talking ins- about I don't want to insult her with such a question because <laughs> <laughs> that's part of I mean that, that's what they've been marketing the last 10 years for in these uh, temporary crew camp housing is that you know everything you need it's like a little city it is so yeah some of them have, you know they have laundry facilities they have gyms it's actually a really nice you know resort kind of destination that's coming up in the next segment tiffany wilson turns 30 sexy today so we're going to check in with what's going on with her birthday by the way i just read the invite i skimmed it last week what kind of birthday party starts at noon <laughs> A good kind of birthday party. <laughs> That's how she rolls. Holy smokes, I thought it was like after come after work, come to this birthday party. Nope. Noon. <laughs> On Fat Tuesday. Huh, must be Catholics. Getting ready to fast for Lent. That's right. <laughs> Go big. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, by the way, uh, oilfieldsourcing.com is the name of your website, Sean Forbes. Is that correct? That's right. So I was playing around there the other day because I like to do some method 
journalism. So I went and I vetted your website up and down, checked out the different events. You've got a lot. How many events you got there, by the way? Off the top of your head, is it over? It's over 100. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's definitely next few months. There's quite a few. Yeah, some go into August, September. Oh, they got that far, huh? Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. for me, I just looked at the next 90 days and you've got a lot from all over. Mm-hmm. All over Shale Play USA, Marcellus, down to the Permian, up to the Bach, and all kinds of different places. So check out oilfieldsourcing.com for that. But I also noticed you've got your, you know, your shop, your where people are moving merchandise, okay, services and your class I call it classifieds, but what's it directory. Directory. Yeah. You've got your directory, which uh, companies can buy and sell services. And, isn't that right or no? No. So, advertise or what uh, is yeah, that all about? Companies can advertise yeah. equipment for sale. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So it's like classified ads. So if you have right. you know used equipment or new equipment, you can post it for sale on the site and any leads go directly to you. I'm not involved at right. all. Yeah. So. so they can do that. Yeah. And then you've also got um, like a blog or some news. Yeah. Just kind of some information. It's basically industry news is what I saw. Because I, I was reading uh, Mick Hager's article yep. about uh, different uh, pipeline safety and dogs and, and how that coordinates together and, and, and that. And then you've got your blog, though, Team Team Forbes. Yep. So what's that? Is that not... Is that different than oil field sourcing? Yeah, it's different. Um, we'll, okay, okay, see, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, so it's called it's uh, teamforbes.com, and the blog is called Hello Sales Tips from Procurement. So, so teamforbes.com yep. feeds into oil field sourcing well, for content. They're, they're partners, yeah. yeah. And so there's, you know, yeah. shared content on both sides. Well, yeah, you got to. That's yeah. just the way it goes. Yeah, okay, yeah. so go on. But they're, they're different identities and brands. That's right. Two, yeah, dif- that's two different, what, two, one's an advice column and one is an oil and gas directory. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can cross promote. I just wanted to point out that they were different entities. So uh, what is Team Forbes? What's that all about? Yeah. So um, besides your last name, it is my last name and a a very successful uh, media brand. Yeah. Not to be confused (laughs) with the um, rich and successful Forbes. You're the heiress to the Forbes. Forbes? No, (laughs) I always say people always ask, hey, are you related to the magazine Forbes? And I always say, of course not. I, if I was, I wouldn't be buying pipe. <laughs> be like, you know what? If you sign this contract, I'll tell you the answer to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> the answer is no. Right. Thank you for your business. <laughs> and sometimes I say yes just because I can. Huh. Um, Always be closing. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, but teamforbes.com uh, is, is my personal blog. Like I said, it's called Hello Sales Tips from Procurement. Um, I've been in procurement for over 20 years, and I've dealt with a lot of salespeople in my time. And during that time, I've... Uh, run across a lot of um, ridiculous things that sales people say and do. And, you know, I'm here to help maybe make improvements and, and change some behaviors, you know, maybe help you find a way to approach customers differently or just, you know, just talk about some of the, you know, annoying things from our side. Because I, I feel like salespeople are always trained by salespeople, but they never understand procurement's perspective when it comes to, you know, communications and things like that. So I have several so when topics. So you say procurement, procurement. Procurement. What do you mean by that? Purchasing, buyers, okay. supply chain, you know, okay. people who, who buy things from salespeople. Okay. So, and it, and I could be even speaking from the perspective of the engineer or the project manager or whoever it is that you're calling on to sell your services mm-hmm. to. So... One of my blog posts is called, by the way, I'm a she, okay. because my name is Sean, 
And a lot of times we communicate through email and not over the phone and not in person. And so a lot of people assume that I'm a male because, of course, I work in the oil and gas industry. So why wouldn't I be a male? But I always get addressed, you know, Mr. or Sir. And, you know, I kind of use it to my advantage. Sometimes I always respond with, you know, hey, you know, here's my response. And then, by the way, I'm a she. And of course, they come back with a lot of apologies and, mm-hmm. you know, they're so sorry. And I always respond with, all right, well, I'll accept your apology with 10% off. So <laughs> that's, that is very interesting you bring that up because as I was emailing several people over the past couple of weeks about you, uh, lining up a lot of these different things, you know, I, I actually made a point, okay, to do an additional sentence that said she... she Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I actually, in one of them specifically, I remember thinking for at least a minute, how am I going to, okay, what what type of information could I continue about mentioning her? Because Sean Forbes is a male name. Right. It's just a male name, no matter how you slice and dice it, which can be beneficial, but also can work against you. That's okay? right. I've used it to my advantage. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it depends yeah. on the situation, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I looked at it like, no, I want to make sure people know that this is a female mm-hmm. because I didn't want people to, you know, for me, we're doing it. We've we've been doing a very conscious effort from day one to get women more involved. You can go to the Crude Life's uh, website. You can go to our YouTube page. You can go to our podcast and you can see Back in 2014, we were doing interviews called Women Powering Energy. We were. we were. I mean, we tried to get that going, but it's just, it was, you know how oil and gas is. Yeah. You just, if it does, it takes a while. And then if you don't have the resources, you got to move on. You got to keep going. You got to go to the next thing. It'll come back. It'll come back. It's <laughs> not ready yet. So um, yeah. anyway, I think it's great. What else you got? Well, talk about that thing a little bit about, about your your insight and how that's been able to assist you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, really, because I'm giving people advice and, you know, it's maybe a selfish endeavor endeavor of mine because, you know, I would really like salespeople to approach me differently and to maybe respect my time and and maybe understand why, you know, every buyer doesn't get back to them and, I don't know, just be a... An, um, a voice for for the other side of the fence, so maybe you can approach things differently. So maybe it's just a selfish a selfish project of mine, but, me- but no. meant meant to be helpful. But you're you're giving a different perspective, is what you're doing, right? And that is the part that's needed right now. Yeah, and a perspective, perspective I don't think yeah. people really don't get, or they do. Just takes a while sometimes. Yeah, or I I always feel like if someone doesn't tell me that I'm doing something weird or wrong or rude, mm-hmm. then I don't know. And I can't change that behavior. So this is me saying, hey, don't do these things. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes it just takes, you know, a different look at things in order to go to the next level. And right now there's a lot of people trying to understand how to navigate. I mean, there's so much uncertainty out there. We talk about uncertainty in the oil and gas industry all the time. And the average family has not experienced real uncertainty. Okay, they've experienced, oh, I guess I might have to go get a new job. But what if there's no jobs? Like, most people in the oil and gas industry probably have never had a real difficult time getting a job. Most people are somewhat educated, 
or have a good trade or are certified or do you know what I mean to work in the oil and gas industry there's a place for you to always start that's why I love the oil and gas industry but if you don't figure out a way to better yourself pretty quick you're probably not going to last long you're not yeah I mean by bettering that's what I mean by getting some (laughs) certifications figuring out some ways to just increase your what's the word I'm looking for I don't want to say reliability, even though that is flexibility. Important. I think you need to be flexible, and you need to cross promote yourself and involve yourself in things that are outside of your normal um, work base, too. I that that's exactly right. You say flexible, yeah, and I'm I'm thinking of the word um, accepting. So you need to accept that there are things outside of your job description that need to be done sometimes that are not the most glamorous. In fact, one guy, uh, he works down in, in Texas. He called me one day. He goes, Jason, how do you do this? I'm talking about putting stuff up online. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, we're starting a side company and it's all this other stuff. And and you know they don't have any employees because it's just it, they're basically starting it on a shoestring on their side, right? So, but what they didn't account for was the amount of time that it takes to post stuff online because the keywords, the SEO words, the search, this and and all the you know the um, categories and you name it. Pretty soon, he's he's like saying, "I need a twenty-hour-a-week employee just to do what we're doing on a regular basis." He, and I go, "Well, why don't you do it?" And he goes, well, "It's beneath me." <laughs> so I go, "Really? <laughs> the end product is beneath you?" Because <laughs> I get it; it's data entry, and they're you know taking the trash out and you know washing the dishes. That is beneath a lot of people, but a lot of restaurant owners are the ones washing the dishes because they can't afford a dishwasher. They can afford the cook. They can afford the server. They can afford the host. But damn it, they just can't afford the dishwasher. And it's not to put anything against the dishwasher, but it's an entry-level job. Yeah, but someone needs to do it. it, But somebody needs to do it at the end of the day. So the the, the CEO, generally, and the the startup, that's what they do. They they take out the trash. So anyway, that's... um, I'm just trying to feel your pain a little bit. That's yeah. All. So. No, I feel like we need to, like you said, be diverse and um, learn a few different things. Flexible, diverse, and that's always yeah. been the allure of the, the the energy industry. But so your site also, we we mentioned some events yesterday. So if anybody'd like to go to our show yesterday, it's available at thecrudelife.com. You can certainly click on it. We have a show page there daily with our sponsors, the Swan Energy phone line which is where Tiffany Wilson's going to join us in just about two minutes or so. we got about a minute left here before we take our first break. Also, our sponsor, the Industrial Forest Studio Sponsors, because we're actually going to build a studio. And we're going to use the same technology that's building this forest. Sorry, coffee burp. And um, we're building a network of sustainable forests. The city of Bismarck's on board. Mayor Bismarck, we actually met with him. We get down to three, just a handful of locations, but three really. Handful, but really three. And we're getting very excited about this because we're going to build this industrial forest. And it's a sustainable forest. It actually waters the trees every day for two years. And then we go for once a week. How does it water the trees? We build a sustainability shed. We use industry to build a shed with a pump 
and water. Think of like one of those plunger systems for a toilet. What do they call that? A dumb system? A drop system? I forget what they're actually called. Anyway, you know, the plunger for the toilet. Yeah. Once once a water reaches a certain level, we fill the tanks back up, right? With a pump. So pipeline? Maybe it's solar. Maybe Pipe- it's solar. Is there a pipeline? There is a critical pipeline system. We, we have more than just a pipeline. It is a critical pipeline system because pipelines are a critical infrastructure for the United States. So we want to make sure we educate the people on that. But also it's critical for the environment because nature works how nature works. And if man wants to impose itself on nature, well, we have to coexist. And one way to coexist is to just feed it. That's all we got to do is feed it. So the way to feed it is with a pipeline. How simple is it to allow gravity to do most of the work? All we're going to use really industry for is to build the shed, bring us some sort of automated system so we can water it when we want. We actually have some guys ready to go with drones. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Once this gets going, we've got so many service companies ready to go. But it takes, you know, the operators to get it going, like anything. Because if the operators aren't doing it, nobody's coming. Hmm. That's Go to any conference, that's what they'll tell you. If they don't have operators coming, it's just a bunch of service companies trying to sell to nobody. So they need the operators there. Same thing with the forest. We're telling the, the, the operators, we need a leader. That's it. We just need a leader, and the rest will come. So, And you're calling this a sustainable forest because... So it is a, it's the industrial forest, but we call it a sustainable forest because it actually sustains itself through industry. And we are creating a self-automated watering system that is going to allow the, uh, for five years. And then we'll pick up the shed and bring it somewhere else if we have to, or we'll just keep it there and turn it into an education center. Doesn't, you know, just turn it into a walking thing. Because like the city of Bismarck, what they're doing is a walking education park. We don't want any playground equipment in there. We wanted a place for people to walk, to journal, to sit down and be educated. Next to each tree, we've got a stone marker engraved with their logo on it. I mean, 20-some years of marketing, for crying out loud, okay? With people in a city of generations yeah, going on three generations walking together. You got Grandpa talking about how oil and gas and industry impacted his life. Henry Ford, I don't know if any grandpas are alive when Henry Ford is around, but... Henry Ford said, you can have any color of the Model T you want as long as it's black. (laughs) So grandpa will tell that story. And then dad will talk about washing the car every weekend, you know, in the, in the driveway. Yeah. And this, your, your forest will have a better chance of surviving versus other. So um, 50% of the forests that have been planted in the United States in the last 20 years by nonprofits or by cities, they've died. 50%. So after you get your Instagram photo, they, they just leave them alone. So this is another problem industry is going to solve. This is, again, this is where industry can take the narrative back. Like we were talking about yesterday when we were talking with Stephanie Canales with uh, Cougar Drilling, and uh, she's an ambassador, Department of Energy with DEPA. Okay. She referred to herself as a former environmentalist. And I said, no, no. You're still an environmentalist. Remember, the environmentalists are now called climate activists. She paused. There's said, a difference. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. So we're all talking about grabbing the narrative back. 
So the industrial forest is a very articulate way to demonstrate environmental action and transformative action to the world. Oh, this is going to be... This is going to be world news when it's all said and done. Down in the Permian, Kate Hornbrook with uh, the OCI. We're going to talk to Tiffany Wilson in just a minute or two because uh, we're well over time. Um, and we're supposed to call her. Normally, she calls in. Uh, Kate Hornbrook and I are talking about the chemistry, because she's a chemist, about how to turn recycled water, frack water, into watering the trees. How cool would that be? 70% of the shale industry in the next 30 years is projected to come out of the Permian. Hmm. Imagine if recycled water fed trees, carbon sucking, carbon capturing trees, whatever buzzword you want, we can do it. Hey, we can change our media kit too. <laughs> we can bring in a young millennial to sell our trees if we want. That's, we can put some sizzle with our steak, but we have the steak. We actually have the steak. We have the whole cow too. But that's a different story. So I'm not even sure what that meant. <laughs> okay. With that, Fat Tuesday today, folks. It is Fat Tuesday. We got all kinds of stuff on today's docket. We got Tiffany Wilson coming up next. Sean Forbes is a sitting across from me, the lovely Sean Forbes, on her way to Casper, Wyoming, for the big Energy Strong event that they've got. Kind of, uh, it was a Powder River Rising too. Powder Rising? Yep. Okay, that's close enough. All right, we'll be back, folks. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Well, I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com play hard work hard now let's play hard so you're my pineapple baby let me be your mango Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. Sean Forbes joining us with oilfieldsourcing.com. 
Final segment here for you on a Tuesday. You're going to be hitting the road on your way to Casper, Wyoming. And then you're going to be, what, doing, uh, spending the night there? Spend the night there. Coming back? Coming back the next day, hopefully at a decent hour. Probably (laughs) getting and doing some uh, fine website duties that you've got to do for oilfieldsourcing.com. Why don't you go ahead and mention a couple companies, if you wouldn't mind. I just got a text from Vicki Leach, Hydra. She's now ready to uh, join the conversation, but apparently we have to call her. So if you wouldn't mind uh, mentioning a couple of your companies, while you do that, I will give Vicki Leach a call. But uh, these are companies that are either uh, prominent or featured or yeah, just are, regulars or whatever. Yeah, these are companies who have uh, purchased a business listing on my site. Um, business listings start at free. And, you know, go up in price depending on the types of features that you want with your company profile. But one of the companies I'd like to profile is uh, Safeguard. They offer promotional products, um, some really cool swag. And um, oftentimes they partner with Oilfield Connections. Um, fantastic organization. If you're not a member, you should, you should sign up. Those guys have uh, chapters all over the U.S. and a really great networking opportunity for companies um, and salespeople. Another company is Performance Energy Services. Um, really good friend of mine, Maria Montufar, is an amazing business development rep for their company. Um, whether you're building a compressor station, a tank battery, pump station, processing plant, or a pipeline, um, Performance Energy can assist your company with high-quality uh, constructed project. All right, you ready? You yeah, got, let's okay. talk to Vicky. I'm All excited. Right, okay, because I'm going to pull in Vicky right now as soon as I can find how to push the... All right, I got to push the right button here. Oh, these remote things, they are going to be the life of me. They're going to be my death. Okay. Vicky, are you patched in? I am. Oh, thank goodness. This uh, remote... Studio is just something else here. It's like it's like a shoestring that thank God we don't have cameras here. <laughs> Sean's like, I didn't even know you could do it like this. So So how are you doing, by the way? Just for those listeners out there, Vicki Leach is our guest. Uh last time she joined the program, she was just announcing a new position and also talking about the oil field angels, uh some things, some nonprofit and uh um just philanthropy that she was a part of during the holiday season but we wanted to get a just kind of an update on your new position because you know there's a lot of people out there that are out of work right now and you know when when you got kind of hit up a little bit came out of left field and you you know you you just kept going and so we want to talk about that a little bit women empowering women if you wouldn't mind and also, just get an update from your company, what you guys have going on and what kind of products and services you have. And also, Sean wants to know if she can come down to uh, the uh, rock part down there and do some fishing. <laughs> well, Sean is always welcome to Rockport. <laughs> I know, we keep talking about it, but we need to plan something concrete. I, it's always open, I'm telling you. Uh, you just set the date and... Uh, We'll, we'll get it all hooked up, Sean. All right, girl. So I just have one question that I think many listeners out there want to know. By many listeners, I mean me. 
We had Tiffany Wilson on during the last segment, and she said you guys have a girls' weekend coming up this weekend. Is that right? Yes, next weekend. Is there any way that I can, you know, come by and say hi or maybe deliver some pizza or something like that? That sounds like a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out a way. I'll be the pool boy. I don't care. Do you notice she said, I'm not always welcome like you were, Sean Forbes? Okay. <laughs> I need a special invite. <laughs> yeah. No, Jason's like one of the girls sometimes. You're, you're one of the you know? only ones that doesn't need a special invite. You're always invited to hang out with us ladies. Well, I appreciate that very much. And vice versa. You guys are always welcome in my world because it's so small. I need to get it as big as I can. As off as I can. Oh, you got a bad phone too? Oh, jeez, nice. boy, we got all kinds of calls coming in. So, it's just the lines are ringing off the hook here at the Crude Life. So, Vicky, <laughs> uh, what's going on with the company you're at? You're at Hydra USA, is that right? So, talk about that. Yes, yes. So, so Hydra, so Hydra USA, um, a portion of our company um, is still in the oil and gas industry. You know, we have. Um, secondary containment, which by the way, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of friends that, you know, still have containment. Ours just happens to be the safest containment that is available. Um, just, and I'm not even saying that because I work for Hydrat. I'm saying that because I've sold a lot of containment in my time. And just quite frankly, it's the best product I've seen. Um, just gotta be, I'm just being real. Uh, so anyhow, so, on that side of the company, you know, we've got the secondary containment, above-ground storage. Um, hey, hey, Vicky, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah. So, you, yeah. you've got all this experience in containment. Now, your last job, and, you know, we don't have to get into company names or anything like that, but your, yeah. last, your last job to this job, was that a different kind of niche industry was it the same you know was it containment or talk to me a little bit about just the specialized no. part of the oil and gas industry yeah so so my last job uh, it was flowback okay however i came from a huge my my big eight and a half or my big eight plus years before that i was with a huge corporation that had literally every service line um, that service companies have from from uh, literally landman jobs, searching for water, everything that the water touched from beginning to end of drilling and fracking and everything included, which included flowback, um, well testing, containment, frack tanks, water transfer. So not a lot of people get that. A lot of people, you know, they, they do a specialty, um, either, either water transfer or pump or well testing or blowback, or they sell frack tanks. Not everybody that gets in the industry gets to work for a huge corporation like I had my original experience where I literally got to work with so many different entities within one company 
so that really broadened all of my horizons you know it gave me a one-up well what i what i appreciated about when i met you it took me not even 10 minutes to understand that pardon my french but you knew your shit <laughs> and the reason i wanted to bring this I up that. well yeah <laughs> and you did you know and and i could t- actually I when, from the best. I when, some of the best mentors, I tell you. when you just described your background that makes sense because being exposed to that many different lines of the service chain and the supply chain excuse me you, you, you learn some things, and you're a very observant person, but at the same time, you're a very good networker, and you know how to facilitate communication. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, and the reason I wanted to have you on today yeah. was, was to talk a little bit about, you know, there, there's a change that's happening to where, for the last 20 years, I remember an interview in 1999, maybe it was 97, but we'll just say 99, Steve Jobs did it where he talked about the network is going to be the most important thing going in the next 20 years. And I thought he meant computer network, but no, he meant actual network of people, okay? And that's changing again now because over the last several years, I've been seeing all kinds of articles about how the network is changing and all these different things. And what I believe is happening and why we're bringing you on, Vicki Leach, is that it's almost like the evolution in the NFL that's happening, where not only do you need to be a passing quarterback, but you need to be a running quarterback, too. So not only do you need to prove that you've got a decent network, but you've got to actually prove that you know what you're talking about. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, that just means you know how to spend business daddy's money. <laughs> and a business daddy doesn't have any money right now. <laughs> so you got to know what you're talking about. Sean's over there nodding her head <laughs> yeah. like 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 a bobble yes. doll. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All of the above. I, I am too. <laughs> so that, either one of you gals or girls or ladies or females or women, I don't know. I don't want to be a me too guy. So I just want to frame yeah, it correctly. <laughs> But you, you gal, girls can take it with whatever direction you want because I truly believe your the network is done. You got to know what you're talking about now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They are weeding, they're weeding people out left and right. Um, and boy, goes, boy, boy that might be it right there. End of interview. They're weeding people out left and right. <laughs> Vicky Leach, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and um, you know. I like meeting meeting Vicky and talking to her like you said for the first 30 minutes I realized that she she's a value to any company that she works for and she's a go-getter so and and Vicky I know you wouldn't just go work I know you wouldn't just go work for any company I feel like you need to work for a company that you believe in and you stand behind because when you get in front of people and you you know are selling a service you're selling yourself and you're putting yourself in that position and so i genuinely value probably any company that you would go work for well go ahead vicky and you are a hundred percent right i'm not gonna i I will not put my name on something i don't believe in um and and, you know i i've got to give credit where credit is due um hey vicky can i can i I jump in real quick great mentors well, I, yeah, I, I know you're going to go start talking about other people, and that's why I wanted to jump in. Because... Unless she's going to talk about me, then let her, then let her well, talk. No. <laughs> Vicki, you've had some real... My Mitchell Shop and my, my John Schmidt and my Joey Fungi, and, you know, I, I had some great people that 
that stood behind me and believed in me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, it's you. At the end of the day, it's you. And you've had some major adversity in life. Major. Okay? Recently, too. Recently. You You and I have talked about it. I mean, like... (laughs) You know, okay, I'll, I'll 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 mention mine. I'm a cancer survivor. I mentioned it earlier in the show that you know yeah. there was there was 18 days where I went without food and water, where I literally yeah. I literally closed my eyes every night or every time, multiple times a day, wondering, well, is this it? Is this my last time when I've yeah. got a, you know, I've, I've got a preteen son that I got to keep care of? So these are the t- and and you know what I'm talking yeah. about. You've been through some adversity yeah. too. I don't know if you want to share that at all, but. No, I'm yeah, I'm great with that. Yeah, share a little bit of it. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Two-time cancer survivor. Two-time? I've been a two-time. Two-time, yes. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Two-time, two-time. Yes, sir. 15, the first time I was diagnosed, um, ovarian, uterine, and cervical cancer. Um, 24 when I had my first hysterectomy. Um, And then again, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, Actually, today, uh, in 2015, February 14th. So, it's ironic that we're having this interview today. Um, wow. So, anyhow, yes. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Yes. And I imagine that's a very yeah, different cancer. Valentine's Day for you. It's, it's, it's almost bittersweet, you know? It really is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been widowed for 20 years. Widowed, um, not divorced, but widowed. Correct. Okay, I, I didn't. I, I did. I did not retain that from our previous conversation. So that just yes. adds a little bit more respect to you. Okay. Yes, sir. Fist pump. All right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Go on. Um. Let's hear more about how you turned into the woman you are today. <laughs> hey, Vicky's a tough yes. one. She's she's so, a tough uh, one. I she's a tough one. Suicide. As um, you emasculate all us men out there, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the reason I bring it up, sorry, the reason I bring it up is because I'm, I'm, the reason Vicky and I got along right away is because there's a certain level of fear that just does not impact us. And the oil and gas industry, if you go talk to the Harold Hams of the world, and Vicky, you know Harold. So if you go talk to those people, they've been through a lot. And when you've been through a lot, you just do not have the same level of fear that the average person has on the outside. And so my contention has been since COVID started, I truly believe every industry should be looking to the oil and gas industry as experts on how to navigate times of uncertainty. And right now, this is the most uncertain time in 100 years in this this country. And to me, the oil and gas industry should be the leaders not being the ones demonized, trying to be banned. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I wanted to bring you on to talk oh, yeah. about that. Plus, Sean, yeah, Sean is she wanted to go visit you down in the Gulf, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to get an invite. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I can attest. Absolutely. Yeah, I can attest to um, being a fighter too. I mean, in 2012, I spent two weeks in the ICU with a breathing tube. For an autoimmune yeah. autoimmune disease, so by the um, way, anybody who's never had a breathing I, tube, those suck. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you know we're fighters, and that's what you have to be working in the oil and gas industry because you never know what 
is going to happen from week to week in the market and with our jobs and the industry. And you have, we talked about, you have to be flexible and you have to be diverse and you always have to be one step ahead of something bad happening. You know, what if something bad happens? You know, what's my out or what's my, my plan B type of thing. So, um, yeah, you know what I mean? You have to continually expand your knowledge base. Um, that, that leads to, you know, my, my current job. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about that real quick because, okay, when, when you got laid off, that was a real left hook. You didn't see that coming, correct? Yeah, no. Okay, so you got left hooked, you got laid off, which, by the way, a lot of people are going through that. You're not alone there, especially in the last two years. Because remember, the layoffs started. Oh, yeah, no. The layoffs are starting a year before COVID, so let's let's not forget that, people. Yeah. Now, also, you you actually kind of decided that you wanted just to take a few days to or a week even to, to clear your head before you really processed the negativity behind it if that may am i am i correct with kind of assessing that yeah yeah and i I think that's an important step by the way we collaborate how you did that (laughs) yeah you have to swallow first (laughs) (laughs) and Um, but then you started getting a flurry of offers so how did you kind yeah. of navigate that, the next steps of, of um, okay, I got I just got laid off. Well, I don't want to be yeah. reactive and just go apply at Walmart right away to be a, be a, a checker. Right. I, I, I need to think well, this through. How did you go through that? Well, um, I honestly can't tell you how many, um, how many resumes I sent out. Um, I can't tell you how many dozens of interviews that I did. Uh, by most, you know, I, all of them pretty much were by uh, via Zoom. Um, and I think I sent you a couple jobs I, too, I Vicky. I, I feel like people were yeah. probably sending you jobs left and right too that they were seeing advertised on LinkedIn, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Almost LinkedIn, overwhelming. Uh, and anybody that says LinkedIn isn't a tool is not using it right. Anyone that says LinkedIn is not a tool is a tool. <laughs> it, that is so true, Jason. So true. Um, because from the moment I I type on LinkedIn, I literally had messages coming left and right, whether it was people sitting me you know, job postings or people sending me offers or saying, please send me your resume or, hey, my friend this, or I know this. It was just, it's overwhelming, uh, which is a a good problem to have. Um, So that kind of just inspired me even more to every job offer that wasn't a fit for me. I was putting it out there because I know, how many hundreds of people on my page every day are saying, you know, they're looking for a job. So everything that wasn't a fit for me, I was trying to share and get everybody else a job. Uh, (laughs) However, uh, through the interview process, like I, you just know, you know, whenever you're talking to somebody, you know, if it's a fit, there were a couple that, that were pretty, I don't know. I thought they might have been right, but then 
I still had that hesitation. Can so, I can I jump in real know, quick? I, yeah. You emailed me about one that you were uncertain about if it was legit or not, and wanted me to do a little bit bit of background check on it. Well, before we talk to you, there's a good thing about that one too, by the way. Okay, good because I'm going to let Sean yes. kind of chime in here because when I told her what we were going to talk about, she mentioned some. Um, aggressive LinkedIn, this and that. And she told me about a job offer she got that was pretty close to what you sent me. And I thought, and I looked at her, I go, is this like some Nigerian prince send you money type thing or whatever? So <laughs> Vicky, how, how, how did it, was it legit on your end? And then we'll let Sean answer next, but you start. Yeah. No. yeah. So was so, your, was your random LinkedIn, you know, Hey, come work for me. Legit and- okay. And there's a positive coming out of this, but I can't say too much on it. No, that's okay. Just speak, you know, speak generalities. That's all. Okay, I will. I will very generally. Um, So back to the interviews, um, you know, like there was a couple that were kind of hanging there, but there was just still something that wasn't right. You know, it just just wasn't, it wasn't that, gosh, I just feel like that's my family. Um, then I had my first Zoom with Dean and Raymond and Lisa from Hydra, Owen oh, Dave, and I'm not even joking you. From the first two sentences, it was like it was like I was at home, like they were my family, like like we were just having like a quick family cousin reunion. And from two minutes in, I was like, "This is home," and. Uh, then we did a second interview, and from there, it they sent me an offer, and that was it. Um, yeah, you so always you always it. know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yes. if it doesn't flow easily, then and you, and you don't feel good when you leave, then it it might not be right. I By the know. way, I, I just want a teachable <laughs> moment, if you don't mind. I know we're trying to play hard this morning, but teachable <laughs> moment. Seriously, this is what we talked about with Stephanie Canales when it came with uh, Cougar Drilling, and she's now an ambassador to the Department of Energy. She went through a little bit of you know uncertainty, but she never looked at it as times of uncertainty because she just kept trusting her gut. And sometimes it went against the grain, but she just kept trusting her gut, and it just these small successes turned into just a big. You know, just all of a sudden springboard type thing. So this is why we wanted to bring you guys on is to like, listen, you you just got to keep looking at the positives out there, because at the end of the day, if you've got some positives going, you're doing better than most. You know, really, that's that's kind of the world we live in right now. So anyway, good. Sorry. Teachable moment. That's all. Yeah, you're good. Um, Continue. Did you talk about um, our guard dog guard dog situation? (laughs) Oh, there was a climate activist. Uh, by the way, you heard Frackleberry Hound. Whenever she barks, that means there's a climate activist at the door. So, okay. So, anyway, you ended up. How did you? How did you end up choosing? Ended up. My goodness, too much coffee how did, this morning. Wow, Jason. I know it's the end of the show, and Tiffany was on in the last segment. You know, she gets my 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 excitement going. So, um, Tiffany was on, so she got she got your hit coming out of you. Oh, play hard this morning. My girl. (laughs) Well, you get a rise out of me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so how did you know then? You you mentioned, you know, follow your gut and you just know when you know. And 
I think a lot of a lot of people out there they understand what that is, but sometimes fear sets in a little bit. And so, how did you overcome that fear of the unknown? You know, because it's a new job, and you had a lot of different choices. So we we all like to live in the sliding doors life, you know, what if, but so how did you go? Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to keep talking because I do that. Yeah, no, you're good, Jason. Well, uh, of course, you know, number one, I prayed about it. Um, But number two, um, when I, when I looked into what portions of what all Hydra offers, number one. Um, a portion, like I said, you know, is steel, oil, and gas related, which, you know, my heart's always going to be with the oil and gas. But the other portion of Hydra, um, Hydra USA, is, you know, where my, where my heart is, is helping people. And, um, so the other portion of Hydra USA is, is blood prevention and mitigation, um, so going in to coastal areas or not even just coastal, which we know I love the warm areas. Um, so going in and helping communities, um, do projects and building up and, you know, helping protect people's homes, people's communities for natural disasters, um, going in and, and seeing how we can prevent, you know, Devastation after things like Laura and Hardy. Um, another portion is the immediate aftercare, you know, after a, um, a natural disaster comes in or like these winter storms that are coming um, through, you know, gosh, even Texas, which is ridiculous. Uh, Oklahoma. So right after, you know, we've got 72 hours that we can work with FEMA and, you know, do cleanup or everybody knows that's where Vicky's heart is, is jumping in and helping, you know, either prior to or after a disaster. That's the other half of what Hydra does. So that was just right there. That was the perfect fit for me. Have you mentioned what Hydra does yet? Have we even asked you what Hydra no, does? No, we should probably yeah, get to that at some point today. So let's start with that. Let's just go to that right now. What does Hydra do? <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, it was just a perfect, literally a perfect fit for me. I have the best of both worlds. I have the best of oil and gas, and then I have the best of helping people. So. Well, I tell you what, give your give your company a plug. Um, how people can contact you, and um, you know what 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 type of stuff you're doing. I just realized we're close to a half hour here, so we got to wrap yeah, her yeah. up. So, yeah, what um, basins do you guys yeah. support? Good question, Sean. Yeah, you what? What basins are you guys in, and how can people contact you? Um, we we can be in every we're in every basin, um, and they can contact us, and of course for the uh, the flood mitigation, flood prevention that is throughout the entire U.S. and Puerto Rico. Um, and they can reach us. Um, I am officially now the Executive Director of Business Development and Marketing. So they can reach me at Vicki at HydraProtects.com or at 580-603-4886. 
Excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming on today, and um, we'll have to... Thanks for having me. Well, I can't. Well, you know, we do expect a weekend in return at your (laughs) palatial palace down in the Gulf. So this was not Um, without selfish endeavors (laughs) and intentions. So (laughs) I just want you guys to know we are getting some of the freeze this weekend. Oh, us too. It's freezing here. It was minus nine at my house this morning. Hey, Vicky, dumb question. You know, we only got about 30 seconds or so left, but I yes. just, uh, do you guys have iguanas down there or is that just in Florida? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Okay, that's Florida because <laughs> when I when I was in the Gulf, uh, well, it's a Gulf, it's a Gulf. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, so down in Florida where they've got boa constrictors is a problem, you know, but they have iguanas and the iguanas are considered an invasive species because mm-hmm. they eat rich people flowers. That's all. That's the only problem. They just chill on the sun, but because they like no, and their poo is toxic to dogs. That, so they dogs, talk about the salmonella yes, crap, but don't yes. get in. No, 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 no. I talk to the locals. It is because the rich people do not like the iguanas eating their flowers. So I, I, I yes, no. Anyway, but is that propaganda? That's a whole. That's a whole different <laughs> argument. What I wanted to get into was. Um, a couple, uh, what was it, uh, a year ago. Yeah, it was a year ago in January of uh, 20, before COVID, We're right February before COVID. Now. I was down in, I was down in uh, the Florida Keys, Key Largo. And um, just about two weeks before I got there, they had a freeze and iguanas were dropping out of the trees because they're cold blooded. Oh my goodness. So once the temperature reaches oh, yeah. a certain degree, they just plop dead right out of the trees. And yeah, oh, and so that's why I was wondering about down, if you had them down in Texas because... A bunch of iguana tacos? Yeah, exactly. No, well, iguana is really good from what I understand. What's that? No, the deer, eat, the deer eat my plants here. The deer? Yes. Well, there's a hunting season for those. It's like deer in Rockport. We can't, in- like, nobody shoots our deer. The deer are like our pets here. Yeah. So they come up and they walk all over the golf course and they come, you know, they come and they go in and out of all of our condos and our townhomes and Literally, they walk up on my back patio and they eat all of my plants. You know, deer aren't as nice as I thought they were either. They got an attitude with them, those deer. Sorry. No, not here. No, are they nice there? Okay. That's a different species. You don't even phase them. You can walk outside and they just stand there and look at you like, hey, what's up? I never got along with the deer when I lived outside of town. I got along with the squirrels. I got along with the bees. I got along with all the horses, all the animals, but the deer... Always treated me like I was an intruder on their property all the time. <laughs> you can no, just tell. they just literally they lay around by the dozens around here. Just they lay in your front yard. They lay in your. I'm serious. Have you ever have you ever they done a? My um, hibiscus, they eat my hibiscus plant. The only thing they haven't eaten is my aloe vera. Yeah, they don't like that, do they? They just like the greener, <laughs> you know, yeah, the flowery and stuff. What but I, I always my got. Bananas. Go ahead. Sorry. Eat everything. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, what always creeped me out about the deer was is that when I lived outside of town is they liked to sleep under the oak trees in our yard at night. And every now and then, of course, I would hear a noise or something like that. And I had this big floodlight flashlight and I'd go out on my back deck and I'd just shine it across. And it's kind of freaky when you see eyeballs just staring at you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the eyeballs stand up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, is that Jason Voorhees or is that Michael Myers or is that a deer? It took That's me right. it, the first couple times I didn't know what it was. 
it took me a while to realize it was a deer because there was a lot of them. And I'm going, <laughs> this is creepy. Well, like, I get mountain lion and bear in my yard, so... Well, and deer, like, yeah. deer are not that scary. No, but w- at <laughs> night when you just start flashing the light around your house on a 360 yeah. degree angle and there's eyeballs Glowing all over the place, it's yeah. freaky. Yeah. That's until you realize we, they're protectors. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, when we lived in the country, we had deer corn, you know, we put it out in the feeders so we could bring them in to shoot them. <laughs> now we keep bags of deer corn by the back porch so my grandkids can feed the deer on my back porch. So, I'm like, that was a 360 for me. Like that, That's like the uh, hunter we, that... Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah like, we used to hunt them, and now we bring them in for pets. Like, a lo- ridiculous. There's a, a kind of a, <laughs> a popular thing where hunters become photographers later in life. They hang up their gun yeah. for... Well, they still want to go out and experience really, the nature and, and be a part of it, but they just don't... They get to a point where... They just, they, they lose the thrill of the kill. They lose the thrill of the hunt yeah. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but they still want to go out and do the, you know, the nature part of it. And so they just go out mm-hmm. and they get a camera. And when they see that five, six point buck, they take a picture of it and move on and call that a victory. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's whatever you want to call it. Evolution, progress, growing up, whatever. Appreciation. Appreciation. Yeah, it's, well, all, it's all the same. I mean, I almost felt guilty because our neighbor, uh, they went to their brother-in-law's ranch and they hunted, you know, just, you know, back in November, December, whatever. And they just brought over some um, cheddar jalapeno smoked venison. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and we almost felt guilty eating it the other night when the deer were walking in between our houses. And I was <laughs> like, hey, your uncle tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> Your cousin, sorry, your cousin's over here on my plate. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, at least there's awareness, though, right? That's at least there's an awareness. That's that's the first step. And an appreciation, <laughs> right, for <laughs> the substance they provide. Yeah. Well, with that, you know, with some sort of twisted deer cannibalism, I guess, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, right. We'll, uh, we'll continue on with our days, and uh, thank you very much, Vicki Leach of Hydra USA, for joining us today and sharing with us some of your transitional stories that is happening uh, throughout well, Shale Play USA. You're, you're, you're a model citizen out there, a model employee, if you will. Well, I appreciate that. Vicki, I hope to see you soon. All right, girl, we'll see you down the line, okay? Yes, sir. Good talking to you guys. Bye, Vicky. Well, she wants to live a life and happiness nonstop. Oh uh-huh.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Jason Mochlin, Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Appreciate you coming on to join the program here this morning as we're trying to I don't know, figure out all the different shale plays that are going on. Uh, The winter storm pretty much hit America yesterday, but Texas really got hit hard when it came to uh, energy. Uh, There was all kinds of uh, road problems, and even I saw this fantastic photo of a helicopter spraying a wind turbine, de-icing it, if you will. And so a lot of things happening, and, and we wanted to bring in Jason Modulin, and he's the president of the Texas Energy, I'm sorry, Texas Alliance of Energy Producer, Texas Alliance of Energy Producer, to really treat this as a teachable moment. And I mentioned that helicopter because that helicopter de-icing a wind turbine, because I truly believe that's going to be a finger-pointing moment for a lot of people in oil and gas, and and you know, rightfully so to a certain degree, but... I, I think that we need to take, you know, I say we work at oil and gas, so let's have some class. Let's take a little high road here and explain why. That is actually a good picture to show and demonstrate why all the really, all forms of energy are needed and sometimes they're even needed to work together. So, Jason Modlin, thank you for coming on today to be a leader and a voice out there for people right now as they're trying to figure out a lot of times their lives, but now their home lives and their all kinds of different things are happening. So how are things down in Texas today? 
Well, Jason, it's great to be with you, and, and thank you very much for inviting the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers to be on, on the show. Uh, it, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly 3 million Texans uh, are, or, excuse me, 3 million homes in Texas uh, are without power today, uh, and, and there's, there's uh, an incredible risk right now with these cold winter uh, uh, temperatures um, to protect human life and, and of course, uh, protect our roads and, and folks traveling on the roads. Uh, so human safety is the paramount concern right now in the state of Texas. Um, and we've seen some incredible challenges from this cold weather that have impacted uh, our, our electric generation in the state. Um, yes, uh, we have had tremendous impacts to renewables. Uh, wind uh, capacity in the state has been dramatically diminished. Um, the Austin American Statesman reported that half of the wind turbines in the state were frozen. Um, and then uh, from that, a lower portion was actually producing electricity uh, since since uh, uh, the start of this storm on Saturday. Um, but uh, the wind is overproducing from what was projected, um, and, and that is a good thing. Um, uh, they're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas, um, and, and they were projected to be lower than that. Uh, solar uh, is also uh, generating a significant amount of power, a little bit less than that uh, than wind today, um, but you're still talking about single digits. Uh, where the bulk of the power is coming from in Texas right now is from natural gas, coal, and nuclear power. Um, and each of those have experienced some just dramatic impacts from these cold temperatures. It was six degrees in Austin this morning. Across the state, we've seen um, impacts uh, both from coal uh, and nuclear, which traditionally uh, you would think baseload power really don't have quite the problems, but when they get into icing situations, when they have impacts on getting that power out uh, from those plants, um, they have to, to ratchet back. And so uh, one of the, the nuclear facilities here in Texas, the South Texas Project, actually uh, took one of their reactors um, offline. They have two there. Um, and just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Um, which are traditionally from thermal sources, coal, natural gas, and nuclear, um, just an incredible impact from this very cold storm. You mentioned the nuclear reactor, one of them going offline or a portion of it. I've been seeing a lot of headlines about refineries shutting down or shutting some portions of the refineries down. Have you been in contact or have you been following any of the refineries? Uh, yes, uh, saw a number of refineries have been impacted. Uh, that's from both a power demand, um, uh, so they've been uh, curtailed if they're drawing from the grid, but also from a natural gas supply. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. Um, they took quick action to make sure that human life, uh, both home heating and electricity generation, were the priorities. And that allows natural gas delivery companies to interrupt those contracts with some of our large manufacturing and industrial customers 
to make sure that that gas can get uh, to those home heating needs and to electricity generation. Um, but we've also seen impacts in production areas. Um, uh, large portions of the Permian Basin uh, had freeze-offs, and, and that limited the ability for gas to get out. Um, and the front page of the Midland Reporter Telegram today was projecting a million barrel decline in oil production uh, because of wells shut in and impacted by this cold. Uh, that has dramatically decreased the amount of gas uh, coming out of, of the Permian and other plays in the state. Uh, of course, our natural gas and midstream companies are relying heavily on the supplies and reserves that they have in salt domes across the state. Um, but uh, we're burning more. Um, than we typically do. Um, uh, right now, we've hit peak demand in Texas, where we would normally see that in summer months. Uh, we're doing it right now, and we're also burning gas uh, to heat our homes. So it's a, it's a double draw right now on our natural gas supplies, uh, where normally in the, in the summertime, we would only be using it for electricity. Uh, so again, this is a critical situation in Texas and uh, to get back to kind of your first point, we need all of our power supplies. And that's really more the policy question. We've had a lot of dialogue and debate in Washington, D.C. about a Green New Deal. We've certainly seen other states around our country uh, embrace those types of policies that want to do away with coal, that want to do away with natural gas, um, and in favor of wind and solar. And when it's 72 degrees, uh, and the sun is shining, the wind is blowing, uh, that, that's pretty nice. Um, but when it gets cold, when it gets hot, uh, you start to see those assets uh, decline in their production. And uh, as I said before, with wind, um, the installed capacity is nearly 30 gigawatts, um, and yet we're, we're seeing out of wind right now uh, let me just bring up ERCOT so I can give you an accurate number right here at the nine o'clock hour. Um, we're, we're seeing a significantly lower portion of wind production. Uh, currently, it's uh, just under uh, four gigawatts. Um, so you've got 30 gigawatts installed in the state and you're getting four. Uh, four is higher than projections. Uh, I, I think in this current hour, the projection was uh, nearly 3.5 gigawatts, so so they are overperforming. Um, but you're you're talking about a very small portion of our overall demand right now. Uh, demand is currently sitting uh, right at 46 uh, gigawatts in the entire uh, ERCOT region, which is most of Texas. Uh, you, you don't have El Paso, and you don't have uh, kind of the Beaumont area and, and parts of East Texas in the ERCOT region, but uh, 46 gigawatts across the state. Uh, wind is performing at, at four, uh, so so just under 10% of our electric grid is, is being met by that wind power. Uh, the the bulk of the supply is being met by natural gas, and then it's coal, and then it's nuclear. So um, uh, definite challenges today in the state of Texas, and and we need to. Uh, get the power back on. Interesting to hear that mix. It reminds me a lot of what we experience up in North Dakota. Like nine, and, and on any given day, ninety percent of our state's powered by coal. <laughs> People don't understand that up up in our part of the country. And 
we actually get a lot of energy from Canada and we export a lot to Minnesota. And so right away, I'm thinking about the crude life's motto in 2021 when we did our media kit last October was strength in numbers. And what's happening right now is showing how all these different energy sources are needed. And I mentioned that kind of that uh, fail photo, if you will, of the uh, helicopter de-icing the wind turbine, which is, you know, in my opinion, probably one of the better PR photos for, for the oil and gas industry for over a decade, just to demonstrate. The other photo that worked really well was coming out of Australia last summer, where they showed this uh, diesel-powered electric car generator in the middle of the desert. Well, electric cars can only go 150 miles or something like that. So, and, you know, rather than Closing our mind to something, they decided to, you know, strengthen numbers, have two different powers work together. And in North Dakota, we get these wind, these ice storms all the time. And I'm, I remember one specifically I covered, oh, seven, eight years ago. And it was really bad where the uh, power lines, you know, when they get ice, they get brittle and they crack. And it took almost two months to get power on in some rural areas. Now, I'm not familiar with, you know, how involved you are with the shared energy you guys have with other states, you know, whether it's the importing or the exporting or anything along those lines, or how much rural people depend on which kind of energy. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about the strength in numbers and whether you're hearing any conversations of whether any neighboring states are being impacted because of this. Uh, absolutely. Uh, throughout the Southeast, uh, there's been significant impacts, um, in, in and in, into the, the Midwest, uh, the, the Midcon, um, uh, electric distribution system has been impacted, uh, had to shed load, uh, as, as winter ice storms have impacted, um, that electricity generation and also those lines into, uh, urban areas where, if you lose the line, you, you you can't produce the electricity to get it into those homes and businesses. Um, so we've absolutely seen that impact. Texas has a very resilient grid. It spans nearly the entire state of Texas, uh, where we've had wind impacted uh, in, in the uh, Panhandle region. Uh, we've been able to draw more from wind on the coastal region. Um, certainly, as as the sun has come out this morning and melted some of our uh, very rare snow uh, across the state. Um, uh, solar has been able to come on, and, and uh, currently, I just checked it, is generating about a gigawatt of power. Um, again, uh, our, our demand right now is 46 gigawatts, uh, so so solar is generating uh, uh, about 2% of that grid. And again, good, um, but we need far more power um, and, and that really gets back to these policies that want to do away uh, with nuclear, do away with coal, and do away with natural gas. Uh, we've seen a number of coal plants in the state of Texas shutter, and we've seen a number of gas plants uh, be abandoned uh, from being uh, further invested in and, and built out. Um, and really, that's because we have uh, some some dramatic and bizarre policies out of the federal government that pay for production credits that essentially drive that wind uh, kilowatt hour 
to zero or in some cases negative prices. Um, and, 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 and that creates a tremendous challenge on investors uh, from pursuing these types of uh, uh, resiliency and reliable uh, baseload power in coal and natural gas. Um, some of the things that we see in other parts of the country uh, where they don't quite have these temperatures, uh, or, excuse me, where they have these temperatures on a regular basis, they have backup systems. Uh, you've got natural gas facilities that can switch over to uh, heating oil and, and burning oil uh, to maintain that level of power. Uh, here, uh, we, we have more uh, single source uh, electricity generation and so don't have quite the diversity um, on site to be able to switch between uh, power facilities. But um, again, just unprecedented winter storm across the state of Texas that has dramatically impacted all of our power generation. Um, and we need more power, not less. One of the things that crude life has demonstrated over the past 10 years is we've been a proactive media source. And right now we're doing a reactive interview. We're reacting to what happened in the state of Texas yesterday. And what I mean by proactive before is that we, we were we had a discussion about negative oil before it happened, and then it happened. There's certain signs in the economy and in the marketplace that you know we can see. We pride ourselves on being able to detect those. Today, we're talking about a reactive interview. We're reacting to something. And I want to just now get to the proactive side of this. So I understand that there's going to be some social shaming on both sides. The oil and gas industry is going to participate in it, and the, the climate activists are going to participate in it. And there's going to be all kinds of badgering back and forth. And um, this is going to be another very good example for industry to show that not only do all the above work, but we got to really work together. Not only do all the, not only do all forms work, but we got to figure out how to work them together. So, I wanted to transition to the proactive side and just what should people know? What should people take away from this in terms of as soon as you know, the noise has already started? You know the the, the noise. So. We're here today to say that industry listening, you know, when you when you get bombarded with with what's going on, just keep in mind that there are certain things that we need to keep an eye on. You mentioned some of the policy and some of the legislation and some of those things. So, if you're talking to somebody who's wanting, you know, an alliance of energy and a, a pro all the above, if you will, if that's still a term, um, what should people know going forward now because of this yesterday? Well, I mean, uh, what what they should know is that when we had uh, unprecedented winter storms, 85% of the power in the state was being provided by natural gas, coal, and nuclear power. Um, that we certainly embrace uh, an all-of-the-above strategy that has been able to build out some of our uh, renewable assets in the state. Um, but those get severely impacted uh, whether it's extremely hot or extremely cold. Um, and so we see declines in their ability to produce wind power is needed uh, um, critically. Um, I, I think the, the message to drive home is that we need more infrastructure. You talked recently to the Permian Basin Pipeliners Association and how there's no question we need more takeaway capacity out of our key basins in this country to make sure that power can get 
to where it's needed, both um, from a, a refining space, but also electricity generation and making sure that customers can be served here um, in, in Texas and in the United States. So that ability to, to move that power around, uh, that, that critical capacity um, to, to generate electricity and to get it to homes uh, is what we need to be focused on. Um, uh, we're already seeing calls at the legislature to kind of reopen these conversations and see uh, where are the failures and where we need to build from. Um, uh, but what should be abundantly clear in all of this is that the message is not we should get rid of the 85% that is providing our power today, that is keeping the lights on, that is keep, keeping Texans warm. Um, and, and again, this is a awful winter storm. There will be severe uh, life-threatening impacts. There already are um, uh, losses because of this cold weather, because of the impact on our roads, because of the losses in, in telecom and, and the ability to communicate with first responders. Um, but the answer is not to do away with the 85% providing the power um, today. Um, uh, that needs to be wholesale rejected, uh, and we need to have robust conversations about resiliency and reliability. Jason Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, thank you very much for coming on the program today. And remind me again uh, how people can become a member, and I believe you've got several thousand, don't you? Absolutely. We're one of the largest trade associations in the, in the United States dedicated to independent operators. We have... Uh, uh, we have members from across the country, uh, but primarily our focus is here in Texas. Uh, we also look out for things happening in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, have nearly 3,000 members uh, here in the state of Texas, and you can go to texasalliance.org, and there on our member page, uh, you, you can uh, check out how to become a member of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at The Crude Life. Com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Adam Perkins, NVI. Also with the Permian Basin Pipeliners Association. I apologize if I did not speak that correctly because I do not have my notes in front of me. It's one of those mornings. Mr. Adam Perkins, I appreciate you coming on, uh, talking a little bit about what's going on down there in the southern part of the United States. You're in Louisiana. You've got a lot of people down in Texas. Of course, you're the president of the uh, Permian Pipeliners Association. So first of all, uh, correct me, did I get the name right on the pipeliners? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it's, the, it's the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners. Thank you. Don't feel bad. Don't, don't feel too bad. I get it mixed up all the time, too. Yeah, and I, and I do feel bad about that because there's a lot of people that get got paid a lot of money through the years to really make sure that that name was was correct because you know councils mean certain things associations mean certain things uh you know th as far as tax codes and whether you get government money etc so i apologize but i did want to just point out a couple things number one you are uh with the uh, permian basin association of pipeliners but also you have a private company too uh talk to me a little bit about your private company and uh, what you guys do in the oil field Yes, I, I work for NVI, which is, stands for Non-Destructive Visual uh, Inspection. Um, basically, what we do is we inspect 
the welds as they're being put together on the pipeline. And there's a lot of other things we do. We uh, asset integrity on older facilities and pipelines. Uh, we'll go in there and we actually make sure the, the pipe and the welds are, are uh, up to code. And one of the reasons why we wanted to talk today was we wanted to use this ice storm in Texas and the winter storm across Shale Play, USA, um, for a teachable moment. You know, I, I look at it as it's very easy to point fingers right now, especially at that awesome photograph of the wind turbine getting sprayed by a helicopter is just absolutely fantastic of a picture speaks a thousand words and there'll be plenty of time for the combatment of of those types of things but right now we wanted to bring on the president to just kind of talk a little bit like i said a real teachable moment to let people understand why pipelines are actually deemed critical by the federal government I know that it doesn't seem like it right now with the executive orders and some of the rhetoric being mentioned in the mainstream media or traditional media. I don't want to call it mainstream media, traditional media uh, or old school media. And so, uh, Mr. Perkins, talk to me a little bit about pipelines and, you know, just remind some people with some of the basics why pipelines are considered critical. Yeah, thank you, uh, Jason. Um, So, you know, pipelines are really critical, you know, just let's look out in West Texas right now, what's going on with all the roads freezing and everything. Uh, if we solely depended on truck and rail uh, to transport our, our crude oil and our gas, uh, we'd be at a standstill. You know, right now, I think there's a very limited driving out there in West Texas, you know, and even in the South uh, Texas and South Louisiana, you know, up north, a lot of these roads, they're conditioned, they have the, the people that, that come out there and salt the roads and and keep them from icing. But down here in the South where we're not used to this cold weather, you know, where a lot of our petroleum products are transported, uh, you know, through pipeline or gas or, or gas or by truck, you know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to, uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one heat our homes or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. So that's, a, you know, it's another real reason why, um, you know, pipelines are so important to our, our nation. Now, this is, of course, this is a pop quiz in, interview here because, there's, you know, we haven't really prepped for this at all. It's more of a reaction type of an interview to what happened uh, with the ice storms and the winter storms. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the pipelines that you have in Texas. I I mean, there's like hundreds of thousands or thousands of tens or something of pipelines in the United States. And I know Texas has got quite a few. And when I think of the amount of pipelines and how few leaks and spills and you mentioned that you you know you do investigative or whatever that was so i mean you're you're in day-to-day yeah. there talk to me about the integrity of the pipe because that's really what the protesters are, are are trying to say or the climate activists are trying to say is the issue when as we're trying to say actually the pipelines are safer so we need to educate you people a little bit more on this so do you are you following me because i'm i'm I, yes. I didn't write my question down right so go ahead sorry no, no, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, um, yeah, Jason, you know, like you're saying, um, 
talking about the integrity of the pipe and the, and the pipelines, you know, when a, when a pipeline's laid, there's a, a lot that goes into it. It's not just two guys sitting there screwing two pieces of pipe together, putting it in the ground and letting it go. Uh, you know, the, the integrity of the steel from the manufacturer is tested. And then that also follows that piece of steel each where, everywhere it goes. There's numbers that are laid out. So we know, you know, if there is a failure or a bad batch, it has been tested before it's even been put into service. So a lot of times those things are caught on the front end before we have an issue. You know, now look, like anything else, there's going to be incidents, you know, um, and, you know, with the pipelines, there's so many valves that are put into that line so that there is an incident. It's shut off as quickly as possible. Jason, you know, there's almost 480,000 miles of pipeline just in Texas. You know, that comes, that equates to about one sixth of the pipelines throughout the entire United States. You know, I, I don't know the exact number of, of gallons or barrels of, of oil that's been spilt from a pipeline, but I'm sure it's very limited. Well, when you consider too, you know, during the play hard, work hard morning show, we don't do any math in the first hour during the play hard portion, but we're in the work hard portion. And that's, by the way, that's 2.5 billion feet. So I can do the math on that. 5,280 feet times 480,000, 2.5 billion feet of pipeline. And when you think about at a time when people need that to get to homes and get to gas, you know, in cars and et cetera. What you mentioned, though, about the flow of energy to get it to the refineries, that's what really why I wanted to bring you on today was because right now is a really good teachable moment to not only use that photo that's just, you know, the, the helicopter, you know, using some sort of petroleum chemical to de-ice the, the wind turbine so it can work, um, yeah. is, is to point out that, listen, at the end of the day, we need something that's called everyday energy. Whether you call it all of the above, whether you call it a diverse portfolio, we're going to have Jason Modlin on a little bit later with the Texas Energy Alliance to talk about, hey, this is, you know, we need all forms of energy well, my good sir, appreciate you coming on and giving us some teachable moments here this morning for the industry to go yeah. out and have some, well, there's going to be a lot of conversation, you know that. There's going to be a lot of oh, social yeah. shaming, a lot of arguing and, and back and forth, back and forth. But at the end of the day, I think that as a, I've been saying that, listen, man, we work in oil and, listen, man, we work in oil and gas, so we have class. So we're going to go out and we're going to use this as a teachable moment instead of doing the shaming and everything else so i appreciate yep. you coming on and being a leader being somebody to talk about you know let's explain why we need energy right now instead of saying see i told you so we can still do that there's plenty of time for that but we need to have some teachable moments too so i appreciate you coming You're on right. and doing that so how can people you know become a member of the permian basin uh, pipeliners association association of uh, pipeliners Yes, yeah, so, so you can go to our website. It is uh, permianbasinap.org, and um, really all the information is there. Uh, you know, our organization is built to really uh, raise money for education. Uh, we give scholarships out. Uh, we also donate back to the, the, the city of Midland and Odessa and surrounding areas. I think last year we gave back uh, to the colleges over 50000 It might even be closer to 70000 That's what we did last year. Um, so we're looking, hopefully we can get close to that number this year. You know, 2020 was a rough year for everybody, including the organization. Um, so we're really trying to stretch out this year. Um, 
we've actually we've actually inputted a uh, fourth uh, event. No, typically we've been having two to three events to raise money. Uh, so we went ahead and we set up a um, barbecue cook-off that we're actually going to have on March 11th at the Ector County Coliseum in Odessa, Texas. Uh, along with, uh, we have a golf tournament in June, uh, clay shoot, I think September. And then in October, we have a, um, we're looking at having a team roping event. Uh, so we've, we've got a couple things coming up. Uh, we have a monthly meeting every third Thursday of the month. Uh, we actually canceled this one for this week due to the weather. So we pushed it to next Thursday, which I believe is the 25th. Uh, but moving forward, we'll have one every third Thursday of the month. Um, and Jason, man, I, I just wanted to let you know, I really appreciate you reaching out to me this morning uh, to do this little interview. Um, and one thing I would challenge your, your listeners, and, and most of them I'm assuming probably know, but what I would challenge them to do is to, you know, look up, there's, there's all kinds of information out there on, you know, when we talk about it within our industry, people that work in the industry, we just talk about oil and gas. We don't really tell everybody about all the byproducts that oil and gas brings to, to our country. And, and it's mostly because most of us already know, and we take for granted that a lot of other people don't, that, that a lot of people already know that. Um, but what I would challenge your listeners to do is to, to share that information with people, you know, whether it's posting something on Facebook or LinkedIn or Snapchat or any one of the other uh, social medias, um, or even just, you know, hand flyers. I don't know. We got, we've got to, we really have to educate the, the general uh, public on what we do and what our products serve as a as serve to us for, you know, everyday use. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Tiffany Wilson, Aries Building Systems. Thank you for joining the program here today, of course, in addition to being the U.S. Director of Sales at Aries Building Systems. She's also active with the Permian Pipeliners Association, Association of Pipeliners, as well as the Oilfield Connections International. And man, I, I'm so used to acronyms that I do not, you know, in, in media, you try not to say the acronym until you say the word first, right? Until you say the entire phrase or the entire organization. So I trip up a lot. So I apologize on that. But Tiffany's very active. In fact, she was so active, there was going to be a big party for her today. It's her birthday. And it was going to be at the bar, and then there was a second party, and then there was a band, and then there was all kinds of... Di- I understand that Elvis was coming back, and so it was a big... Yeah, big deal. And then winter storm happened down in Texas. Tiffany had to... Definitely a big storm. ...put on a, her responsibility leadership role. And, okay, my understanding, Tiffany, is I'm going to get right to the meat of the story first, and then we'll back backtrack to your birthday okay so my understanding is based on what i've seen on some social media posts and some texts i've gotten and that sort of thing is that there were some people without power and you actually worked with your competition in order to solve this problem down there was basically people without power so is that accurate and just kind of walk us through that Absolutely. So there's still people without power as of this morning. Um, it started, gosh, it's been so many days. Um, we've been 
Orla all the way to Midland, Carlsbad had power for the most part, I believe. Um, but most of the Permian Basin went without power. I know in the lodging camps, um, in the beginning when it first started, you know, it went with the water. The, the water went before the electricity went, and it went freezing pipes, busted pipes. And, um, you know, I think the sales side of some of us, first one that went out, you know, you kind of get excited. Um, and that's just the truth of it. You know, I always tell the truth. Um, but then <laughs> the second one would go out, then we would all go out. And, you know, at that point, it's kind of a survival mode where, um, yeah, we all ended up standing together. And um, by yesterday, we were all seeing where we could throw rooms at, you know. I was on the phone last night with one of my competitors, and we were putting rooms in a whole different camp that wasn't even ours. <laughs> how, how many different companies did you work with? And my understanding is, you know, tar- Target Hospitality was one of them. And, uh-huh. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, because here's the thing, folks, especially in the oil and gas industry, there's friendly competition. There's a little bit of cutthroat at times, let's be honest here. But when the chips are down and the community is back, is up against the wall, you throw all that aside and you just. You, they you, were so amazing. Dad. Yeah. So talk, talk about some of those other companies that you worked with and just how that collaboration happened. Because I think that people need to hear that right now. We worked uh, very closely with Target Hospitality and Permian Lodging. And they were the owners all the way to the maintenance were amazing. Um, you know, Brad Archer from Target Hospitality reached out and he said, whatever, you know, before theirs went down too at that point, um, we were the first to get back up in Odessa as far as Target and then in Goldsmith Aries was open too, so we could house all these people from all these different companies. But over in Orla, you know, he his was the last one to go. Um, and he was willing, he, you know, he didn't care at that point. He was willing to put all of us up. And then his went out. And it, it was it was a pretty rough deal. And then the pilot went out. There's one store out there. And we had went and bought showers for everybody so they could take a hot shower. And the pilot lost uh, electricity. So we've, uh, we've had a pretty rough time. How many people total or ballpark? I guess, I, you know, I don't know if you know specifically because it's probably changing by minute uh how many people have you uh, assisted or you know put beds and shelters and that sort of thing mm, give or take it, at least 1500 are you kidding me 1500 not at all i've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days which is not safe but i'm not driving <laughs> i'm at home i what, what i get a kick out of is i got a text from you an hour ago that said, just getting coffee, be ready. And then I'm like, okay, where's that coffee at? Is she grinding her own beans, roasting them? So it's well, just... The phone, the phone starts ringing and then it doesn't stop. And then uh, I've noticed the phone starts ringing so much, I forget what I'm doing an hour later because it just keeps going. You know, but the, you know, throughout the day, I get messages from my coworker or my boss and they're like, Y'all are doing so good, you know, between me and the admins and the maintenance and, you know, where they're just pull, they're pulling for us. That's one of the pitfalls of working from home, by the way, is because I've been working at home since at home since about 2000, 2001. 
and um, is you know the the UPS guy comes and the dog starts barking or uh, the the dinger goes off on the laundry or the kid comes up because some sort of distance learning or whatever the case is. There's so many little distractions that that can interrupt your flow and your momentum. And so, uh, anyway, that's, that's, uh, it's one of those days. It's just one of those days. And okay. So, uh, how, how is that working then in terms of if somebody needs help, are you guys still putting people in, in it or are you maxed out? Are you, you know, renting out your garage? What's going on? So Goldsmith is outside of Odessa. Um, that one, we do have some availability, not a lot, but um, if you need somewhere to stay, still call. Um, we can make room. We can find something. Okay, so let's talk about... We also, I know that there is one lodge from Target down the street at 1788 in Midland that's open right now. Okay. So, you know, if, if, if there's some people out there that need some help and assistance and that sort of thing, there's some options. And and it sounds like there's there's some col- some collaboration to to you know get through this ice storm or winter storm or whatever the case is. I mean, you know, up- it's already snowing here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. I don't know where where I saw that at, but I thought that the temperature was at least going up. So it is snowing right now. Got water for half a. Half the lodge went without water since Saturday, and then the other part went out yesterday morning, um, and the electricity went out, and that's when one of the other lodges had gone out a day prior, a day before, and then Target had went out that evening, and some of those crews, I felt so bad for them. They had kept moving lodges and lodges. I mean, we'd moved them to every lodge possible. And uh, it just, you know, it's what we'll never forget it, you know. <laughs> I used to work in a hotel chain. And so, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you overbooked, you had to move people around. And so you had kind of a working relationship with some of the other hotels that were in the area. So I kind of, you know, see it from from that side of things, but this is a little bit different. This is where this is you know this is natural disaster. This is emergency, and this is you know we just got to help people out. So, if uh, somebody needs help, somebody has questions, somebody wants to you know know more, uh, how could they contact you, Tiffany, or Aries Buildings? Hey, they can call my cell phone at two five four five nine eight zero nine seven five. Or they can call the front desk. It is, this will be an easy way to get in. It is 432-827-3842. We do have an area that's closed off right now that we're um, not closed off, but it is an area that if you have no electricity and you need to bring your kids in, um, bring your kids in. I mean, no one's going to be left out in the cold. So we usually don't allow that, but this lodge does include all meals. So um, you'll have a shower, you'll have heat, you'll have meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that went on last. That went on yesterday too. Last night I had to move some family, some families in. What? And we had to 
you know, you, you, you just name a few of the things that you've had to do. I mean, it sounds like you've not only hauling water, but all kinds of different things. Yeah. In the beginning of this, Orla was the biggest uh, challenge. Yesterday, with Goldsmith being the only lodge that was working up until Target got up and working out by Midland, um, that was just getting people moved over. And then the families needing to come in, that was a little different. Um, but as far as, you know, we, we did have the struggle where our pipes did freeze for a minute. So when they came back on, people had, had their water already on. So we were getting calls saying that the pipes or their rooms were flooding. So we, that went on for a minute, too. Um, and then Orla was just, uh, that was a whole different, whole different situation. It was, um, we, I had to have someone drive a car down to a guy so he could sit in it because he didn't have a vehicle and he was cold. Um, that was, that was a little bit, that was really sad. Um, you know, when you start getting that cold mm-hmm. and you don't have a vehicle out there. That's real problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. at that point, it was survival mode. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's this is these are real problems. These aren't, you know, they don't have room service problems. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere to go for 40, 50 miles. The roads are bad. You don't know what's going to happen next. Every camp, that's all that's out there is camps and a store, and no one has electricity. No one has water. Um, it got a little. It got a little scary. That was one of the issues out in the Bakken during the early days. Because the roads weren't ready for the trucks yeah. and there was accidents and that sort of thing. and We definitely weren't the, ready for it. We weren't prepared. I yeah. Mean, and, we and thought what, we were prepared, but this is Texas. And what happened was, I believe I'm heard of, and I, I don't recall it ever in my life. Well, and one of the things... I, I am pretty sexy, so... What, one of the things that I think is part of, a, you know, that big city disconnect... At least it was for me because I had never thought about it. Was one of the issues early on in the Bakken was that if there was an accident, because so much oil and gas activity is rural America, it takes an ambulance forty-five minutes to get there. So there's that that whole geography part, and you know, and I never even thought of that because living in a city, you're used to an ambulance being there in ten minutes, no matter what. So. Just from birth, you know, you never even think about those things. And so it's it's good that there's people like you, you know, and and Brad, uh, Archer, president of well, Target, our, you know, all you our maintenance guys, they um, they were amazing. Um, they went from I just can't even explain what they did yesterday. Yeah, um, but we're working together, strength in numbers really shows how, you know, coming together you, you can really take on some big elements and accomplish some big goals, you know? Absolutely. Well, let's yeah. transition. Let's transition to uh, the progressive part of this show because right now we just did the reaction. Okay. Cause during the, the play hard portion, we, we like to react to things, you know, that, cause it's fun to react, but during the work hard, we like to be proactive. We like to, you know, t- think ahead. We like to talk about what's next. And, you know, earlier we had on, uh, we, we, we had on the um, Jason Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we had on Adam Perkins 
from the Texas Association of Pipeliners. And, you know, we asked, what's next? What should people do next? So, Tiffany Wilson, now that you've assisted over 1,500 people, worked with your competition during a natural disaster, we have to ask what's next with your birthday. It was supposed to be your big birthday party today. In like an hour, you were actually 45 minutes ago because this thing aired at 11 o'clock today, and it's about 12.45 right now. If somebody's listening to it at 11 o'clock, it would have started 45 minutes ago. So uh, for those people out there, that we're planning on going to Tiffany Wilson's 30 sexy birthday party <laughs> at the bar in Midland, Texas. It's been power outage. It's been rescheduled. It's, it, it was so, in fact, there was so much energy that was going to be produced from the bar in Midland, Texas, from Tiffany Wilson's 30 sexy party. Mother Nature had to stop it. <laughs> well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We, it may happen at the oil-filled connections mixer next week, but we will celebrate. So the event is going to be the rescheduling of the party. <laughs> it's, it may just happen at the, at the event. I may dress up in a St. Patrick's uh, hat. and Who knows? I may do St. Patrick's oil-filled connections. And uh, my birthday, all in one. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, think, know. I, think, I think your birthday could headline an event by itself and become Tiffany stock or something like that after this <laughs> event. I mean, you got 1,500 people that are going to show up. <laughs> you know, I might just go have me a party at the... Uh, at the launch that's running with half of the town in it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, after helping, oh, you know. No, 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 you know, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, people's personalities don't always mix when you don't know each other. <laughs> uh, sometimes I prefer strangers over my own family. So let's just, <laughs> let's, let's just be quite clear about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> just kidding. Anywho, but I, I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday and great job last night. You know, I mean, it probably wasn't the way you thought you were going to celebrate your birthday and, uh, you know, at least ushering in at midnight. Well, you know, last night actually wasn't, last night was moving everyone in and everybody in Orla was, I mean, this is crazy to say, but they were actually used to what was going on. The night before was the shock factor, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when... You go and do, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And uh, I think that's uh, that's where you go, wow, this is really happening. <laughs> well, we, you know, we would get these storms every year up in, up in Dakota, right? Up in the Dakotas. And every now and then, about once a decade, we would get a wallop. And where it would be an ice storm. And the ice storms are, are the worst because they, they coat the power lines and then the power lines become brittle and then they break. And then the more rural you are, it's just that's whether it's by priority or whether it's by distance or whether the case is, generally the rural people are the last ones to get power. And when I was on the radio station, we would get, we, we would do updates every day with these two households that it took over a month. Over a month, these people were out of power, and they they were they were fine with it because 
that's their lifestyle. So when you were kind of describing some of the things you were going through, and I was thinking, oh, these oil and gas workers, this is probably like a little vacation to them. It's kind of fun. <laughs> well, if this tells you anything, it took us 15 months to get online power where we are at in Orla. We okay. lived off we lived off generators for fifteen months, <laughs> and water has been trucked in for a very long time. Wow, mm-hmm. crazy! So, so alrighty. Well, congratulations on doing a, a great job of assisting people and working with uh, competitors and and being you know having a leadership role during a natural disaster and. You know, ex- you. accepting the fact that your birthday got bumped for another day. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, you know, to, to know that Mother Nature took out your birthday. Huh. Oh, well. Hey, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, th- this was going to be a big deal. I mean, I, you know. Wow. I saw commercials up in Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> I'm just Mother kidding. Nature took out my birthday in 2021. <laughs> Yeah, she did it. COVID did it in 2020. See, so you, you're still 30 whatever now. See, you haven't had two consecutive birthdays. COVID, COVID did it in 2020, and Mother Nature did it in 2021. Wow. That just, I mean, that really. All right. Well, happy birthday, my dear. Thank you. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percent.
percentage point. If we're lucky, man, we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. Makes perfect sense. And I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Bill DeRozier and George Stark with Cabot Oil and Gas. Well, Jason, let me just, and I'll put a, I think a fine point on this, because Cabot's operations in Susquehanna County started 12 years ago. So think about this. Prior to 2000, there was no, zero, no natural gas being produced in Northeast Pennsylvania. Today, Cabot only operates in Susquehanna County, and we are the nation's fourth largest producer of natural gas. So in that quick of a lifetime, we've gone to being the fourth largest, Pennsylvania's second largest producer of natural gas, and you hit upon it. It is a short drive from our operations to New England, and we had an opportunity to put in new infrastructure that the governor of New York stopped. And that, again, gets back to poor policy planning. And now they're paying four to five times what we're paying, just less than 200 miles away. And it's sad because they end up importing into the port of Boston energy for Americans from someplace else, where here we are, again, a short day drive away with the most prolific wells clean-burning natural gas. We ought to be fueling our brethren right in New England, yet the climate activists, as you said, and others have said, no, we're putting up a roadblock to new infrastructure. And it's just maddening because they want to go towards a renewable future. We support a all-above natural, or I'm sorry, energy option. There's a place for wind and solar, as well as nuclear and coal. But you can't rely upon one. And then when Bill and I did an actual survey and an analysis, the amount of gas that we can move in a pipeline would take all of the five boroughs in New York to be covered with solar panels. To listen to the full-length interview with Bill DeRozier and George Stark with Cabot Oil & Gas, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, check out our morning show, Play Hard, Work Hard. Airs Monday through Friday. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an 
industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.